Hey Northview, it's Lexi. Thank you for joining us for episode six of In Good Company. Today we will be discussing some viewer questions that have been sent in to us. If you would like to send us in a question, feel free to give us an email at ingoodcompany@northview.org. Let's hear from Josh, Greg, and Jesse. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of In Good Company. Uh, we have thoroughly enjoyed how much you guys have been interacting with us. We've gotten emails of more questions and some responses to past episodes. So this episode, we actually just wanna take time and we're gonna fire up three different emails uh, on three vastly different subjects. And we're just kinda gonna hit them rapid fire a little bit. Well, okay. love it. Well, not really rapid fire. I mean, three questions through an episode. If rapid fire is like a bit of a seven burn. to eight minutes <laughs> each, then yeah. hey, in church world, that's yeah. fast. <laughs> okay, that's fast. So why don't we get why don't we get kicking? We're going to start off uh, with an email that actually has to do with a, a past episode. Somebody just wanted a clarification, and this particularly goes to you, Greg. Yeah, I was not clear. That's no. right. You were very <laughs> unclear. <laughs> this was the episode where we disagreed, and I was clear. Yeah, clearly. So, so this is the email we got, uh, and I'll, we'll just give you a chance to respond here. So, yep. hi, Jesse, Greg, and Josh. And then he, and we, we kind of compressed the, the email a little bit. So this was kind of in the middle section. So this is to you, Greg. You mentioned that you did not hold to either a young earth or old earth position, but you were happy to go where the science points. That begs the question, where mm. does the science point? If it points somewhere, shouldn't you then hold a view on this issue? Let's, let's stop there yeah, for a second. So, yeah, that's good. Let me clarify that. I think my, my point was basically to say that I am personally a little bit more indifferent about that particular issue of the specific age of the earth. Right. So I, I know that there's a little bit of uh, even disagreement among different people in the scientific fields of their different actual areas of expertise regarding questions about the age of the earth. There might be largely a consensus that it, it seems really old, uh, but then there are others who say, no, actually the... The, the geological work I've done points towards a young or whatever. So I, my issue is, or my perspective is mostly one of like indifference towards holding a particular view with great conviction. Right. But I, what I would want to affirm is that all truth is God's truth. And that at the end of the t at the end of days, there's going to be no final conflict to borrow Francis Schaeffer's term between what the scripture teaches in its context, rightly understood, and how God has revealed himself in right. Right. creation. Yeah. There, there's not going to be a conflict there. But yeah. until we get to that point where we learn how there was no yeah. final conflict, there's, there's various theories in right. different scientific communities about some of these questions. And so my point is basically I'm, yeah. I'm largely indifferent mm -hmm. to what the particular age of the earth is because I don't... Uh, there's, I, I'm more interested in other theological questions than, right, sure. than this one, and other people are more interested in this yeah. question, and that's also good. Yeah. So, yeah. so let me just press on that question a little bit. Yeah. Have you ever studied science in depth, like at a university level or no. anything? No. No. So does that lead you to not really hold a conviction? Then probably. Yeah. And then how about the other question? Is the question almost implies that we should, as Christians, hold a view on this? Yeah. Would you disagree with that? Yeah, I, I would say that we don't. I don't think we need to. I don't yeah. think that we're obligated in order to be good thinkers, to be good um, disciples, to be good disciple makers, to have with strong conviction an answer to our own personal belief on the age of the earth. Yeah. But if we feel the compulsion and that we feel compelled to find an answer, I think that's totally great. Go for yeah. it. Do that research, find the sources, yeah. read yeah. different perspectives, go yeah. for it. I, yeah. I'm interested in other theological issues that other people have no interest in. Yeah. And, yeah, that's I, true. And, I, <laughs> and, and I wouldn't say that they need to in order to be a, 
a, a healthy yeah. Christian. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So the science in your lifetime may point one way, it may point the other way. We may never come to a unanimous decision, and you're okay with that. Yeah, and I would say because all truth is God's truth, yeah. that at the end of the time, there's going to be no final conflict, and I'm, I'm completely happy to go with wherever it ends up at the end of end of time. Cool. I won't be disappointed one way or the other, basically. <laughs> Okay, so that's that's first part of the question. So hopefully hopefully that clears up what you were trying to say there. So let's hit this second paragraph. Uh, it's a little bit longer. In regards to concordism, which is the, the perspective that um, uh, the scriptures have a seat at the table in scientific conversation. In regards to concordism, I believe that science, general revelation, is perfectly compatible with scripture, special revelation. Mm-hmm. I am a concordist, but not a naive consor- concordist. Here's the issue. Scripture is propositional truth interpreted through objective hermeneutical principles and rules of grammar, while science is data interpreted through a framework which is dependent upon the starting assumptions of the scientist. Today, these axioms are largely naturalistic. Mm. The reality is that scripture and the widely held naturalistic presuppositions of modern science are in direct opposition. So there's a lot, a lot of meat yeah. in, that, in that paragraph. Um, but but how, do you, how do you respond to that? Um, understanding that scripture is propositional truth interpreted through objective hermeneutical principles mm-hmm. and science is data interpreted through a framework. So I, I, think, I think what he's trying to get at is that Genesis 1 can offer us and does offer us a framework through which we interpret scientific data and that an objective hermeneutical principle allows us to come to Genesis 1 and find those presuppositions. But you don't agree with that. I, uh, I would say that, that the text has a meaning and we can determine the meaning by being good readers and trying to figure out what is the author trying to accomplish, right. all that kind of stuff. I, I think there's, there's a lot there to talk about, yeah, but totally. I, th- I think where my basic presupposition is, is that we need to believe what the author is trying to communicate in the passage. Hmm. Where we disagree is in how much that author is trying to speak to and be relevant in a conversation with modern cosmology, Mm. answering modern questions, or whether or not those insights should be a part of that conversation. So I, uh, you might need to help me out here in trying to talk through this a little bit more though. Okay, so I think there's a couple things uh, in that that comment that pique my interest anyway, is number one is, the assumption, in a sense, that that science is done from a naturalistic perspective, kind of, right? And I think, um, for me, I would want to question that assumption a little bit and, and recognize that what I think he's, he's trying to get at is that we need to recognize mm-hmm. that Scripture, the, our, our final authority, first and foremost, should inform the way we, we do science. And I want to say absolutely amen, and there are scientists doing that in, in the field. Um, right. I think of... Uh, Biologos and, and Francis Collins and the stuff they do, they would take a very different view um, of how the earth came to be and all that kind of stuff than, than the more maybe traditional view or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I, I would want to highlight that aspect of it first mm-hmm. and foremost. And mm-hmm. then second of all, um, with concordism, the tricky part is, is, is did God allow accommodation when, when he... Uh, when the authors wrote scripture, and that that's a big one. So, yeah. so, so, do we find a need to fit everything that it says in the in the book of Psalms or, or in Genesis one, 
with how we see the world today and how we understand things with, mm. with modern technology and telescopes that can see way further than they could before and a different understanding and Galileo comes into this again and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And I think that's where I would encourage people to pause and think, is that the point of that text? Is, that, is it teaching a cosmology there mm. or is it just mm -hmm. saying, it looks like the sun does that, mm -hmm. so I'm going to use that to proclaim the yep. goodness of mm -hmm. God. And I, I think those two mm -hmm. things are, are important. The piece that I would kind of question back or push back on is that I, I think there are lots of people in the scientific community or in the atheistic community who, who mm. think that science is mm. a all-encompassing worldview. Right. Yeah. But that's more of a scientism. That's more of a, we're going to presume atheism to be true and right. now engage in the, in the method of science. But that's not necessarily so. You can, like yeah. you said, you can actually operate from a theistic mm -hmm. worldview mm -hmm. and engage as faithfully in the scientific endeavor because yeah. the science is asking and answering the questions of how, yeah. whereas theology is asking and answering questions about who and why, yeah. and philosophy is asking those same kinds of questions. So my big point is that I, I just don't think science is a all-encompassing field of study that is answering every single question that we want to have answered, yeah. like the whys and the whos. It's, yeah. it's answering the, the yeah. hows. Yeah. yeah, and maybe a practical example is just recently there was a, uh, I think it was the University of Washington, uh, but some... Um, uh, scholars or researchers or whatever they are, I'm really scientific by the way, <laughs> yeah. um, found uh, this group of birch trees that they claim is the, the oldest living plant formation in the world and it's mm. 80,000 years old. Like is, Mark is what, Birch trees. Yes, Mark Birch trees, absolutely. And so it's 80,000 years old. So as a Christian engaging in that study, what, what, uh, what is um, my presuppositions that I bring? If it's that the earth is only six, ten thousand 10,000 years old, I have issues with the findings of that study and I'm going to maybe interpret the data different or whatever. Mm -hmm. If I don't think that the Bible teaches that, then I'm going, and so that's, this is where the, the challenge is, I totally. think, is, is if, if Joshua, you think that that scripture does lead us towards a young earth understanding, that's going to inform the way you do science. Absolutely. If you don't, it's going to inform the way you do science. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yet, and so I think this is the, the tension yeah. that we find ourselves in. Totally, yeah. totally. And this to the, even in, in his comment, you mentioned the objective uh, hermeneutical principles that we come to scripture with. And yeah. And one of those being this, and this is your argument, one of those being is that you look to the intention of the author. Mm -hmm. Was the author even trying to offer us right. any sense of how the world actually, when the world was actually formed, right? In any of that sense. He, he, was, he was certainly offering us how and who, mm -hmm. right? It was by the power of God, by his mm -hmm. word, but, yeah. but was he trying mm -hmm. to say when? And you're saying no. Yeah. Right. right. So that's your objective hermeneutical principle of interpreting through the genre and the intention of the author that brings you to that conclusion. Yeah. yeah. I think the healthiest conversations around all of this is just going to be a willingness to name our presuppositions. Yeah. A willingness yeah. to say, so here's the things that I yeah. hold coming into this conversation. Yeah. And I think that will eliminate some mm. of the talking past each other. Um, and then it helps us actually talk with each other when yeah. we name those things. Yeah. So totally. that was a really great yeah. email though to, yeah. to bring up that clarification. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for sure. I think the last thing is just to your point too, is we need to do it with charity for our Christian brothers and sisters oh, totally. too, right? It's so easy. Like, well, you don't even believe in the authority of scripture, right? Right. Cool. Okay. So hopefully that, that clears up some of the waters. Um, feel free to email again and can continue the conversation. It'd be great. Especially for Greg. Especially for Greg. Because he's just horribly unclear. Let's move on to this. So we got a second question. Second question. A dramatic shift of gears here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this came in uh, from, from somebody who attends our church. Hi, guys. Uh, today's virtual church notwithstanding. Good job, BTW. What does that even mean? I think it's a brand of car. Okay. I agree. <laughs> <clears throat> I often hear church meetings compared to how the first century churches met and worshipped, and we should be like them. 
but I believe there are very significant differences between cultures then and now, such as meeting in homes, itinerant preachers, no social safety net, political persecution, etc. How is the way we do church determined? It seems to me that church services have morphed over the years to cater to people's wants and needs. I'm not saying this is wrong. I would just like your opinion. I recall a line from a Newsboys song called Your Love is Better Than Life that asks, when is it a ministry and when is it a show? I don't know. Maybe neither. Maybe both. A good question, I believe. That's a good like, question, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> like Greg's, Greg's view on Genesis. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe neither. Maybe both. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's your theme song. That's your right. life. <laughs> oh, that's Gosh. good. Okay, so, so, here's, so the, the root of the question is found right in the middle there. Yeah. How is the way we do church determined? And then he kind of couches it in what we have seen when we look at the Acts church yeah. and we look at our church today. Mm. It, it seems that church services have morphed. Things look dramatically different, right? We've got electric guitars on stage yeah. when mm. they didn't have that back in Acts. Mm. Um, is, is this good? And, and the, more, the more general question, how is the way we do church determined? I think the, the church has believed for a long time that there are elements to a gathering that need to be consistent. So we get that from various passages of scripture. Uh, we think the preaching of the word mm. is gonna be a, an important element to that. We think uh, congregational engagement through song and mm. prayer and encouraging one another is an element we need to include. Things like uh, communion and baptism are elements we need to include. So when the question is asked, how is it determined? I, I think our tradition would say, look, there are things the Bible tells us are elements that are gonna be you know, vital for a, a church body to engage in. How those elements, what form those elements take in terms of mm. is the sermon live or on video, mm. is the music a cappella or right. with a rock band, the, the, the forms that those elements come in are gonna yeah. be tweaked depending on yeah. your group and your, your facility and all kinds of things. But I think that, that there's wide agreement on what are the things that are going to encourage and edify and build up people most? And it's those kind of core elements, which is why our services have a bit of a consistent feel to them mm, yeah. in terms of, you know, prayer and, and worship through song and worship through hearing the word yeah. and communion, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. that's, that's kind of my first take at how are the services determined is those key elements. Yeah. I think that those key elements, I think Acts 2.42 speaks to, to that fairly well. It says, um, speaking of the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. Uh, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Mm. And I think that's yeah, just a good indication of we seek, I think, to do all of those things, to be devoted to the same things that the early church was. Yet the way we do it looks very different mm. um, from the way that they did it, mm -hmm. and so that's that's a great question. It seems like they met in temple courts. Should we start meeting in temple right, courts? Then? Right, because totally. I think we quickly realize that maybe there is um, a differentiation between the prescriptive um, portion in Acts and also the descriptive mm. portion as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So, so maybe maybe let's ask that question because I, I hear all the time. Maybe you've heard this. We need to be more like the church of Acts. Mm -hmm. Be, be yeah. like the Acts church. Yeah. Where, where does that, how far do we go with that? And where does it stop? Where do we draw the line and saying, well, okay, we're, we're not going to try to be like them in so much mm. as we're going to start wearing sandals. Yeah. Right. But wh where do we draw that line? Right. In wanting to be like them, but recognizing we live in a totally different time yeah. and age. I would start by just maybe addressing the question. I don't know if it's the right question. Do we really want to be like the early church? Yeah, like what? Like first Corinth or the church in Corinth? 
they were a mess. Like, like, or what about all the other churches that Paul's right to that has significant issues and stuff, right? right and so right. I think the question is, is maybe we want to be like the church in Acts. Maybe that's not the right question. I think a better question is we want to be a faithful church mm. um, to what God has called mm -hmm. us to do and go make disciples. Right. And that's going to look different in different contexts. And yeah. so I think going back to Acts as being the way this is what we need to look like when we start maybe meeting in homes more and selling our buildings and doing all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that's the right question. Yeah, I think when, when people raise that question, they will have some element in their mind about what a healthy local church is that they mm -hmm. don't find in their particular iteration. For sure. So I think that question is being asked from some kind of uh, presupposition or some kind of like strongly held conviction mm -hmm. that like the church should for example, like yeah. meet each other's financial needs. Yes. So yes. that language of like selling their yes. properties so that they can give to one another. Right. Yeah. Like, is that the 21st century North American church yes. where like, I'm going to, I have someone in my community group who has a need. So that means I'm going to sell my second car. That is not hmm. a normal story that we hear. We right. would say, no, that person, I'm going to give to the care offering yeah. and that person can use the care offering, but yeah. I'm going to actually keep all mm -hmm. my properties, mm -hmm. yes, and I'm gonna keep all of my things because those are are my things, right? Yeah, and so I think someone could come sure with the question, why isn't the church more like yeah. the early church? And they might have that in mind, yeah, yeah. Um, or they might have some element in mind that they maybe they go to a church, everyone's super generous, but no one ever preaches the Bible, and yeah. they're like, why aren't we more like the early church, mm -hmm. committed to the teaching of God's word. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so I think when they ask that question, which you don't even want them to ask. So <laughs> stop, stop, stop asking questions. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. What are we doing here? I think you can ask the question back, yeah. what aspect of yeah. the early church yeah. Yeah. are you yeah, yeah. wanting to see a return to? Because your church might actually be trying to embody that yes. in a way that maybe like, isn't or, clear or you yeah. don't like yeah. or whatever. For but sure. yeah. yeah. And you made this note earlier, you were talking about the difference between description and prescription. Yeah. Um, that in, in most of the book of Acts, what we have is a description of how the church operated. It, yeah. This is the way that it looked. Mm -hmm. And within the description, um, there, there are positive examples that yes. we should learn from, but they're, not, they're still not prescription. They're not saying right. do this. Right. Like Paul going off on a missionary journey, the fact that he did it doesn't mean that we should all go do it. Right. Mm. But, but it's a good example. It's a yeah. positive example. So there, there is room to look and say, we actually should have the same kind of heart as Paul to want to go to our neighbors and bring the gospel. Mm. Yeah. So there's an, a, a positive example for us to follow, but not a prescription of do this. Mm. Yeah. Whereas um, when, when you look at the things that made up the actual gathering of the church and the things that you read in Acts 2.42, yeah. those, those are a, such a positive description that we look and we say that that actually is what the church is. Yeah. It's the gathering to do those things. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's an important note when you when you look to the book of Acts, there are certain things that are prescribed that say, do this, do this, mm. this is true. Yeah. And there are certain things that we just look and say, okay, there's great examples. Yeah. And there are also bad examples. Really bad ones, yeah. Right? Sure. You know, the Ananias and Sapphira yes. who, right. who don't give everything they promised to give. And so yeah. they're struck dead. Not a good example. Or a good example of what not to do, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so there's a particular lens we need to take yeah. to the book of Acts sometimes. Yeah. So let's uh, jump to the second or the other part of the question. Where yeah. How are the way we do things then? Let's yes. bring it to the modern. If we're not going back to Acts and just saying, well, they did this, this, and this, so we're going to do this, this, and this. Yeah. How do we determine what is best in yeah. terms of the way we... Um, organize our services or what type of worship we, mm -hmm. songs we sing or, or how long our sermons are. Yeah. What is maybe some, some rules or ways we think through, through that? Mm. 
Yeah, I think I think we, we take advantage of the gifts of the times. Like, I mean, as a, at Northview, um, at different campuses, oftentimes you have the, vi- the video sermon, right? Yeah. Um, and there, there are some reasons that even people come up, and even in my own mind, of why that's not the ideal situation sometimes. And yet, it is such a gift from mm-hmm. the Lord that we mm-hmm. have the capability to record a sermon mm-hmm. that, that Pastor Jeff preaches at, at da- live at Downs Road, and then it gets sent to mission. Yeah. And it, what a gift that is. In mm-hmm. some way, it's just like Paul writing a letter mm-hmm. and it getting sent to the churches, and they just read it out loud to the church. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. a very similar um, thing, but, yeah. but we just have the technology to use. And we get to take advantage of it within the same framework of what you said earlier. There are certain things that define the activity yep. of the church, the preaching of the word, the right, the taking of the baptism and communion, these things. But yep. now we have, we live in a new age um, where even singing, if you have a large enough room, why don't you put speakers in so people can hear it? Yeah. And if you can play really good music with an electric guitar and drums, well, why not? Yeah. We're going to worship through music. Right. Yeah. Right. right? So that'd be my, that'd be my first, first thought. Yeah. And I think it's a mix of at least in our context at Northview, it's a, a high priority on what do we think is going to edify the most amount of people? Mm-hmm. What do we think yeah. are going to build people up the most? Yeah. Uh, and also a pretty healthy dose of pragmatism of yeah. like, we're going to do things. We think this is going to edify people. And right. we also think this is like the, the most effective, sustainable, uh, reproducible way to do it. And yeah. so we, we would be kind of like kidding ourselves to think that pragmatism doesn't play a role in totally. how yeah. churches do what they do because yeah. it, it does. And it's yeah. so one of the reasons that we don't do communion like every week yeah. is partly um, pragmatic yeah. of the that if we were to do that every week, that adds in a particular amount of time yeah. to each service, which means that there's less time to do other things and that we want those other things to take place also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we also have multiple services. We need people to come in and out of a parking yeah. lot. We can't just go on and on forever. So we're going to pick and choose, yeah. not just on edification, but also on some other pragmatic things like timeframes mm. and yeah. mm-hmm. other elements of the service we want to include or not. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think it's that that mix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let me say, um, to try to combine both of your, your comments there, the way we at Northview seek to determine the way we do church is a combination of just understanding God's providence and who he's bringing towards to our church. And so we seek to use the gifts and abilities mm-hmm. of, of the saints to do the ministry, but also we seek to do what we think is going to edify mm-hmm. the people the best. And that's that's what would be kind of the primary lens maybe yeah. of how we seek yeah, good. to determine. Yeah, that's totally. Fair. That's great. So what do we do? Just last comment on a little pragmatism there. Um, pragmatism can be dangerous though, if, if we seek to just do um, things that are I think you know what I'm getting at, right? Uh, if we, if I that's don't. A, if, if you don't, you have no idea? No. no, absolutely not. So one other question I have, though, just with regards to pragmatism, mm. is what if we think that it is more edifying to do, for example, communion every Sunday, and yet we don't do it because for pragmatic reasons we can't fit everything else into a service? How would you encourage a church, or how do you wrestle through the, the pragmatic mm. verse edification? Because I think we can use lots of examples. More songs would be more edifying. Longer sermons, shorter sermons would be more edifying. <laughs> so yeah, how do you how do you wrestle with that? Depends on who's preaching. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I do think that edification of the body should be the guiding principle. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of asking yourself how. How weighty is that particular element sure. for the edification of the body? So I think if depends on who you ask. Like if you asked someone like Johnny Markin, uh, who is a longtime pastor at Northview, yeah. 
like how how edifying is communion? I mean, the guy had done doctoral work yeah. on on communion and baptism and, and the church. So he would say, how edifying is communion? It's like the most edifying. Yes, <laughs> and sure. if you ask someone else, they'd be like, I don't know, it's kind of edifying. Yeah. So I think that's where local churches and their mm. distinct locations with their distinct leadership mix and those perspectives and um, opinions and beliefs and convictions of that leadership team yeah. are going to make different decisions based on what they think is edifying yeah. in light of all the pragmatic realities. Yeah. And so I, I think a pastor and a pastoral team could actually change their mind on those kinds of things yeah. in different seasons. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if that answers the question yeah. particularly, but... No, I think it's good. I think it's just good to think through, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, that's oh, a good thought. I have one last question about, about that uh, particular email, because at the very end, he quotes the Newsboys song, yes. and it makes this interesting statement. And I'm curious just what you guys first value, what you'd say, when is it a ministry and when is it a show? Hmm. What, where, does the, where do we cross the line from a ministry to a show? I would... Um, this is currently a show. This is currently a show, <laughs> yes. That's right. And also a ministry, maybe? As, as a, a lame uh, rule, I would just say, in, I think it comes down to who's getting the glory and who's, mm. who are we seeking mm -hmm. to give the glory. Mm. I think if we're seeking That's to make thought. ourselves famous, which we all struggle with, I think, in any uh, form of publicity or whatever... Yeah. Um, yeah, if it's for us, it's a show. Hmm. If we're seeking to give him the glory, then I think it's a ministry. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a hard thing I think to yeah um, evaluate for other people. Right. I think it's something that is easier done for those of us who are involved, maybe in the more leadership realm, yeah. to ask ourselves the question: yeah. Am I doing this out of a desire to serve others, yeah. which is what leadership is? Yeah. Or am I doing this as a desire to build a platform and mm. a brand and a following? And a, do I get my identity more in my yeah. serving others than I do in my identity in Jesus and my union with him and all the yeah. benefits from mm -hmm. that? Um, it's harder. And I would actually say it's probably not wise to presume ourselves whether or not someone is doing it as a ministry or a show. Yeah. Mm. I think we should try to think the best of each other yeah. and yeah. be as charitable as possible to say, just because that guy's doing a guitar solo yeah. doesn't mean it's a show for totally. him. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and just because that person sings in that particular way doesn't yeah. mean they're using it as a show. They might be, yeah. but that's really only a question that they can answer. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And the word ministry literally means service, right? A minister is a servant. Yeah. And so in, if we're thinking about a true ministry, it's both a service to the people. We're serving the people, yeah. but also a service to God. We're, we're serving him. If, it, if all of a sudden we realize in our hearts that I'm serving me, yeah. I think we've moved from, from a ministry to a show. Yeah. Cool. Okay, we have, we have one more question, uh, but our rapid fire session did not go we rapid fire. We did not fire rapidly. We enough. failed. <laughs> Yes, we did. Your benediction um, was going to be for the last, the next one. Yes, it was. So I have a new one. Okay. Oh, wow. that one. Okay. All right. All right. Save that one for Look the next Greg episode. On the fly. Just trying Send us to, out, Gregory. Just trying to serve the people. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll come, we'll come back for another episode, and we're going to do uh, that last question next time, okay? But Greg, end us with a word. From Ephesians chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 15. It says, uh, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because mm -hmm. the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Have a great week.